This is the John Favreau is My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Well, hello. There hasn't been a podcast in these parts in 35 years. It's been 200 years since we stepped foot on this rock. <laughs> and now here we are. Civilization <laughs> erected the internet. And we have hot dog stands now. <laughs> where the water is not switched out nearly as much as it should be. <laughs> Oh, hello, Monica. Hello. I didn't even mean to do the oh, hello, but oh. That's not, that whole intro sounded like something that would be <laughs> fucking oh, hello. That's very, very true mm. on this podcast. podcast. Are we allowed to say that? I don't, don't know. Com- you know what, John Mulaney? John Mulaney, you have your own problems to deal with. John, you're very funny, but you have a lot going on. You have too much I going on. I don't think on. I want to encounter you in the court of law. I don't know that I even think you exist <laughs> enough for me to encounter you in the court of law. <laughs> in the court of law. I think that you don't want to be perceived right now, and that's okay. Uh, <laughs> Go be... What's uh, his son's middle name? Uh... His uh, first name is Malcolm. Malcolm Mulaney Mulaney. No, there's like a weird like Swedish name or Malcolm something. Malcolm Fjord Mulaney. Kind of. Malcolm Malcolm Hype. Heep. Heep. <laughs> Malcolm Hype? Like hype? Like hype beast? Hype. Hype. Malcolm Hype. I don't know. Stop. No. <laughs> is that also how you pronounce the, the, the band Heim? I think so. <laughs> Name Hi. one song by Haim. Uh, my song five. Wow, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't stump you. Could you tried and you couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> oh, hello, Monica. Hello. Good How evening. Oh no, Today. it's the morning. It's the afternoon. It's two forty nine. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> Time is an illusion. Hmm. How have you been? It's been a while. Um, to catch everyone up, we had multiple COVID scares in the family. It's just not. It's this. It's this new wave of Omicron yeah, that just fucks everything up, yeah. and so that makes it impossible to record. You know, miraculously, and this is a severe knock on wood. Uh, none of us have gotten it quite yeah. yet. Um, which is crazy. Despite some very clear exposures. Uh, I would say direct yes, exposure. Direct exposure. Direct exposure by many parties mm-hmm. to this party, to yeah. this trio. Uh, it's been interesting. <laughs> it's been very interesting. But I, we're here. I will say this is probably the most stressed I've been mm-hmm. about being near yeah. a person who has COVID. Probably like in this entire pandemic, I think. I don't I've, think I've been I this feel stressed. less stressed now than I did at the very beginning pre-vaccine. True. Because pre-vaccine, I was like, oh, if yeah. I get it, I'm dying. It was the wild, wild west. Exactly. For sure. I now knew I'm I was like, if I die. if I get it, I'll, I probably won't die. I'll probably live. Yeah. Please get vaccinated. Don't hey, listen please. to yo. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to yo. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's why we've been away. But hello. Welcome back, Monica. Hello. Hello. Welcome back, Jessica. I hope I I I need you to tell yeah. the listeners how many things you are juggling. <laughs> I just 
I just need it to happen. What are you talking about? I have an open schedule. You're right. <laughs> you, you're right. You're right. Um. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, in my normal job, my, my nine to five, Um. but my nine to five is also taking me to New York. Uh, not not this upcoming week, but the week after. For fashion week. For fashion week. Um, so that's exciting, but mostly just stressful because I'm also really concerned about COVID. Um, yeah, but, all their yeah. models are carriers for COVID. <laughs> that's one. Alison Olivia, COVID. <laughs> Telfar, COVID. Um, so yeah, so there's that. I, and of course, like I'm working after hours normally because there's so much shit to get done. And then I'm also in grad school, which started last week, um, which is wild to me. So it's, there goes all my Saturdays yeah. mm-hmm. for the next two years. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You saying that out loud just now. It, I know, right? It hit me for it real. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> there go my Tuesday nights and my full Saturdays. Uh, well, except I, only till five on Saturdays. I have my evening. But still. But still. Um, my sister-in-law is also about to give birth. She about a pop. She about a pop. She's being induced tomorrow morning. So Woo. by the time this comes out, there should be a new baby. A new baby. Um, but I am taking care of my nephew while that happens. And then on top of it, my mother was being moved into an assisted like living home, essentially, and then got promptly evicted from <laughs> Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> She was there literally 24 hours. Not even. Not even. She was there. Okay. Between like moving in and moving out. She was there for 24 hours. But in the time between like us leaving her there and then us having to come back. Less Less than 24 hours. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So that was um, funny. I'm not going to get into it because it's complicated, but like. She didn't get evicted for like bad behavior or no. anything. It was just a massive, massive misunderstanding <laughs> on the part of the staff and their inca- incapacity to do a job that is the essential to her there. It's funny because when I heard about this, I immediately thought about every, like the running gag in Arrested Development when they turn to the camera and go, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> It was like, oh no. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. So it was pretty funny. Um, like now, the, literally, there's nothing we can do but laugh about it. There's just nothing. And my family is so stressed about it. But I told my brother, I was like, just fucking deal with like, you have another child coming into the world. Yes. So let's just chill for like a couple months. God giveth and he taketh away. <laughs> and God has taketh and, recently. And God <laughs> hath taken. <He> taken. <laughs> And then, of course, you know, there's the stress of like COVID and then Monica was sick and we thought she had COVID. And then her and I get stressed about like very doing this podcast um, and, you know, living up to our promises. Our prime, if you will. I know. This is our this is our magnum opus. So it makes it makes us feel very bad when we have to like move shit around. It's but true. alas, especially not for uh <laughs> covid reasons yeah <laughs> that's the well, that's probably the worst yeah because it, then you go well if i have it we're fucked for the next two weeks exactly and yeah. if you don't and the problem okay this is my and then i'll shut up about it but like this okay. is this is my beef with the pandemic in general yeah <laughs> i want the pandemic to square up with me soon because it needs to they say <laughs> that in order to be safe yeah you need to t- and you have symptoms uh-huh. right you need to take a test 
to see whether or not you have the virus. Yes. So that you do not transmit it to someone else who could potentially have a worse reaction than you have. Right. Right. If you had it. Right. And there are a lot of ifs here. And this was the problem is like the uncertainty of it all. Yes. Right? So like you take a test like you're like a good little Dutch boy mm-hmm. and you do it and then you wait forever for a result. <laughs> like it, we're talking it does not come the next day. Yeah. It does not. It comes in like four days, yeah. five days sometimes. And so it's so fucking annoying to have to wait like five days mm-hmm. to get the results of a test and in those five days, you're just thinking, well, I have to assume I have it yeah. and act like I have it because if I do, then I would have to quarantine anyway. And if I don't, at least I'm being cautious about it. Yeah. That, that's, that's my, fucked, man. that's my also that it. like, if you don't have symptoms, but you know, you were directly exposed. Oh, that's like worse. when I was, that's worse. and you're like, well, I have to wait five days minimum at, and it, they prefer more like seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and i waited like three yeah like, <laughs> minimum five days but preference for longer before you can even get tested because it won't get it won't be accurate unless yeah. you wait that long it's so annoying it's why uh, like okay if covid is gonna exist which obviously it is could it be like a little more convenient like could we like know like the next day or like <laughs> and then, okay and see and so people would to that people would say jessica there are next day rapid tests what the heck why didn't you just take one of those? <laughs> and the answer person is they're not accurate. They're not as accurate. They're also really hard to find. They're a lot very, of places you have to pay for them. Yeah, which I'm I'm not I'm sorry, but I'm not like giving two hundred dollars for a next day test. I'm no. not giving this pandemic any more of my money. Do you know how much money I have spent on masks <laughs> and like hand sanitizer? So much. To, to, too much money, mm-hmm. too much money. So I'm not giving this pandemic more of my money. Yeah. I'm going to take my free ass test yep. from my healthcare provider mm-hmm. and then wait for those free ass results. Okay. <laughs> and yes, I did put in an order for the USPS free tests that are being sent to me. I did too. So they have not arrived. Yet. I know they, I don't think they're even being shipped out until like the end of uh, the end of February. That's so nice considering we're in a surge right now surge but it's fine surge anywho anyway long story short we're sorry we've been off the map some fans have been uh writing to us susan we're looking at you it's mostly just susan we hear you we love and you. we love you we miss you we do this for you this this episode <laughs> is dedicated to susan this is to all the susans out there all the susans <laughs> if you're if you're not That's a susan slow romantic music starts yeah. playing Maybe there's a fire crackling in the background. (laughs) Yes. So just imagine we like, and we'll be right back. Now back to the show. Oh no, this is getting a little bit too sensual. Never mind. Okay, okay, okay. Instead, we're just going to tell you who we're doing this week, which you should know if you started listening to this episode. Yeah. Uh, if you don't like him, get get out of get out of this place. Get out of here. Get out of here, because he's a national fucking treasure. True. An icon, a legend, and he is the moment. This is Mr. Denzel Washington. We'll explain about that in a second. 
Denzel Hayes Washington Jr. is an American actor, director, and producer. Known for his performances on both screen and stage, he has been described as an actor who, quote, reconfigured the concept of classic movie stardom. Denzel earned a BA in drama and journalism from Fordham University in 1977 and stayed in the city to pursue a professional acting career. Shortly after graduating, he made his screen acting debut in the 1977 made-for-TV film Wilma, which is also where he at his wife, which I think is really cute. <clears throat> but his major career break came when he starred as Dr. Philip Chandler in NBC's television hospital drama, St. Elsewhere, from 1982 to 1988. He then won his first Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in the film Glory in 1989. And honestly, the rest is kind of history. He's a frequent collaborator of Spike Lee, Anton Fuqua, and Tony Scott, and has earned many award nominations, including two Academy Awards and a Tony Award. In 2020, the New York Times ranked him as the greatest actor of the 20th century when he's not acting on screen or tearing up the stage or reading the Bible. We respect a daddy who's down with the Lord. Down with the Hebrew. He's also making films and being a philanthropist. And he's also the literal daddy to four children. Big old career. Big old boy. Big boy. Big boy. And tell us about his name, Monica. Okay, so recently, Denzel Washington, as we've all known and love and come to know and come to love him, uh, has revealed that his real name, the way that you pronounce it, (laughs) is actually Denzel. Denzel. Uh, His father's name is Denzel, Mm -hmm. and his name is Denzel. Uh, And the only way that they were told apart by their mother, or like, you know, the only way she was able to tell, tell them apart was she started calling Denzel Denzel. Mm-hmm. And the young, Den, the one we're talking about. <laughs> the young Denzel. Denzel. <laughs> the young Denzel boy. And the father would just be Den, Denzel still. Yeah, yeah, Denzel. Yeah. So the way you actually pronounce Denzel Washington's name is Denzel. Denzel. But he does now currently go by Denzel. Like so. Zell, as in like Zell Cash. No. Pay. <laughs> <laughs> Not like Zul, as in Zul. Zul. <laughs> Zul? Zul. <laughs> Uh, so if I, I'm going to use them interchangeably as Denzel, I, Denzel, as I see fit diesel. No, that's Vin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's Vin who we are told is in the Dominican Republic right now. In case you wanted a hot tip on where to get a pick with Vin <laughs> spotted. <laughs> Vin diesel on the beaches of the Dominican Republic. Monica, Monica, that's our other podcast gossip daddy. Oh, right. You're right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> XOXO. Gossip Daddy. (laughs) Okay, Monica, tell us about our first movie. I shall. Our first movie is the lighthearted film Malcolm X. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Lighthearted and very short. Very short, lighthearted rom-com Malcolm X. Came out in 1992, written by Arnold Pearl and Spike Lee, based on the book The Autobiography of Malcolm X by Alex Haley and Malcolm X, directed by the one and only Spike Lee. Spike Lee. The biographical epic of the controversial and influential black nationalist leader, Malcolm X, played by Denzel. From his early life and career as a small-time gangster to his ministry as a member of the Nation of Islam, this is Malcolm X. <sighs> wow. What I don't movie. even like know where to start with this movie. My biggest problem with this movie... <laughs> is the length? I'm just getting this out of the way before people come for me. I hate how long it is. It's so fucking long. I literally, and it feels really long. It feels really long. I had to watch this movie in part. Yeah. And I know that's sacrilege. I, I, I don't care. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's too long for me. 
I'm going to keep pushing the tight 90. Yeah, there are parts of it's like, I don't like that it's that long. I understand why it's that oh, long. Oh yeah, I mean, his life was massive and sprawling and and radical. And- yeah, and also like, I think Spike Lee did a really, really wonderful job of ex- like telling people about the Malcolm X that nobody knew about. Like, yes. I didn't fucking know that he was like, like a, like a, a thief in his heyday and just wore like zoot suits yes. and pressed his hair and refused to date black women. He would exclusively date white women. And like, he was so Different. anti, not anti his own race, but like he really wanted to not, I guess, like succumb to everyone's view of, of his race. Well, he and was- he did that by like, trying to i guess like do as much crazy shit as possible well he was assimilating as much as possible while also rebelling <laughs> yeah. against his own idea of what it means to be a black man in america yeah it was so wild and ingenious <laughs> to yeah. be honest with you I mean, like yeah. very effective very ingenious and like he is he is an advocate and a radical in his own right mm-hmm. like a lot of what he did was art and protest and activism like a lot of what he did we can only attribute to his genius like i can't say for sure what he was trying to do with like that phase of his life very true yeah but i guess this is just the way it seems on the outside but right but the way that we perceive it is like fucking genius (laughs) like yes yes. (laughs) i'll i'll take it sir Yeah. So I like how much time you spend in that period of his life because it's not something you like. I didn't fucking know that that's who Malcolm X was. Absolutely not. I also like um, one thing that I love about this movie is the use of like his voice, his speeches. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I say that is because how I got introduced to Malcolm X in school was through audio clips of his messages. Right. In history classes. And it's really cool to be able to see him in this movie as not just a face and not just a body, but mostly as a voice Mm -hmm. um, and as powerful messaging that honestly pushed an entire movement to where it ended up even today. Yeah. So that was pretty cool to, to witness that, that sort of like medium, that Mm -hmm. audio medium being used so much in this movie. Yeah, totally. Because that's how I was introduced to Malcolm X. Totally. And um, I also really, really liked how he brought to life like the other aspects of Malcolm X that aren't just activism, that aren't just civil rights leader. Because so often with stories about the black struggle, it's always about the struggle. It's always about the civil rights movement. It's always about slavery, et cetera. But this movie was mostly just about like his time prior to that. And I think it's really important that we focus on those stories that are just like normal fucking stories of people living their lives rather than focusing on who he was as a civil rights leader, because that's not all of his identity. No. And we already get so much of it, Mm -hmm. right? We have textbooks and autobiographies and 
like so many resources at our disposal about what he has done for the civil rights movement in America and for his own movements that he started and his contributions to society in general. Like we have that already, right? Mm -hmm. We have his career. We have his career as an activist. We have his career as a speaker, as, as a movement leader, as a thought leader. Like we have all of that, but what we don't have is what Spike Lee showed us and what Denzel Washington beautifully portrayed, which was just a man, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a man in America, a black man in America living his life, trying to find his identity Mm -hmm. most of all, but also trying to figure out the best way to spread his message while also just like figuring out what the fuck he was doing on this planet and like Ah. figure out his life. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. And like Denzel's an actor. Now we can actually get into like what he did with Denzel. Denzel. Um, I mean, I think, I think one of the biggest things about Denzel Washington's acting is just like his charisma and his gravitas. I was literally about to say. I thought, I swear to God. He's like, he's very, (laughs) the the only word that I kind of like wrote down was magnetic. Yeah. That was really, that's the only word that I know of that can really describe what he's doing because I almost feel like charisma doesn't even cut it. And like, I thought about bravado and I was like, you know what? It's more about like, he sucks you in Mm -hmm. and you can't keep your eyes, your ears off of him. Like you need to know what he's going to say next. You need to know everything about him. Mm -hmm. Like he would make a perfect con man. (laughs) He really would. Especially because like he is so, everything he does is so fluid, but it can also, like he has this crazy ability to kind of like change on a dime without indicating it at all and really surprising you. So you're drawn in because he like has the potential to scare you in a way because you don't know what's going to come at you. And I am just so genuinely like surprised by his performance every time, not because I didn't think he could do it, but because I'm being led on a path, like I don't know where it's going and I'm just like excited to see whatever he decides to show me. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) I I can't think of the name of the animal or the plant and I'm just gonna go with a Venus flytrap for this. Sure. (laughs) Where he, he's like so beautiful on the outside. I mean like, please, your mother, everyone's mother had a crush on Denzel Washington (laughs) yeah, and everyone's mother's daughter had a crush on Denzel Washington. Like this is just like how life was right. And is, um, so he's beautiful to look at and he's, he's wonderful to listen to and he draws you in, but like, as he's slowly drawing you in, he's like opening up his jaws and like unhinging and like swallowing you whole. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're in his stomach and you're like, Oh, I'm, I am, I am swimming in stomach. And I'm I'm blessed to be here. I'm blessed. (laughs) I am truly blessed. And that is how I would describe his acting style. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. And like what's more impressive is because Spike Lee as a a filmmaker is really distinct. Uh, I would argue maybe this is, I don't know. Maybe this is a controversial opinion. But I would argue that the Malcolm Malcolm X movie is not the most Spike Lee movie in existence. I feel like no. I feel like he's had other other movies that are more Spike Lee. Yeah, and then I, I... I read a really interesting article that Bell Hooks had written about oh, yes. about this movie. May she rest in peace, oh, by the way. Moment of sci-sci for, <sighs> for, for Bell. Yeah, but um, she, so she wrote this article about Malcolm X because when Spike Lee made Malcolm X, apparently it was originally supposed to be made by a white director and then he really advocated hard to make the movie. Hell yeah. Um, which was great. And he did, and he made a great movie. Mm-hmm. However, 
what bell hooks is saying in her article is that spike lee then took all of like the millions and millions of dollars that i forget who made the movie but who was willing to invest in the movie and made a version of the movie that would appeal to a lot of white audiences and therefore made a movie that isn't distinctly black which should have been his goal to begin with. And I was like, that's a really interesting take. That's on a that. hot take. Yeah. Especially because it is a movie about Malcolm X. So like <laughs> if there is ever a time to go full Spike Lee, I feel like this is the time, but I, I don't necessarily feel one way or the other about it. I just think it's an interesting perspective for this movie. I almost think that there's more power in not offering that perspective as a as a black man in America, sure. like as like as Spike Lee, mm -hmm. who at this point in time is already a renowned director right. with a distinct voice and a distinct style, mm -hmm. um, have no idea if he was at NYU at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no idea if he was teaching at NYU at this point, but um, he, it, I I find it very exciting that he took it this different direction. Yeah, but but I totally see what she was saying in that article especially because obviously she is a black woman so i was like this isn't this is a really interesting yes. take mm -hmm. and a lot i um was reading in another article that was written about that article about how there were other black like scholars and are stuff you agreeing. a graduate this student so interesting reading you know? a first <laughs> a first what is it called like a first person or something like, something a, like yeah whatever the the first <laughs> article yes <laughs> And then an article about the article. Yeah. What's next? An article about the article about the article. Yep. I don't know. You know it. You know it. I'm but anyway. losing you. It's changing you. <laughs> anyway, I think regardless of all this, Denzel does a really good job of holding on to Spike Lee's style while also like still pushing the the story ahead and still capturing the character because. I mean, surprise, Monica and I don't know Malcolm X personally or didn't know him rather. Huh, no. <laughs> but what I'm, what it seems to me is that like he really fit this role. Like he, it just felt like he slipped right into this role. It felt really smooth and really transformative and really, really powerful. And I loved how he did such a good job of like drawing our attention to where the plot turns in in malcolm x's life like when he discovers islam while yeah. he's in prison that's like such a key turning point and then later once he's already involved in islam realizing all of the hypocrisy that comes within the islamic religion and him dealing with that and feeling like his own struggle of faith and struggle with race etc it's just a really really interesting like juicy internal struggle that he does yeah. a really good job conveying Something that Jessica and I realized as we were doing research on Denzel uh, was that he is actually a very um, dedicated uh, member of the Christian faith. Yes. I am unclear as to which sect or denomination mm -hmm. he is a member of, but he is a Christian. Yeah, he and, almost became a preacher. Yes, and he's a very, very uh, loud and like proud Christian. Yeah. And and so I can only imagine what that, like how he brought that into this role mm -hmm. and like sort of the grappling of the faith. I feel like every person who has either been a Christian or and honestly any kind of faith, right, who has like ever like considered or not even considered, but ever like grappled with their faith or like yeah. saw, cause there's obviously so much hypocrisy within the Christian church. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is just a fact, yeah. right? You see all these 
mega churches mm-hmm. and um and uh which by the way if you want to watch a really exciting and hilarious and compelling show about christian mega churches there's a show called the righteous gemstones on hbo max uh it's my boy danny mcbride's show it's so <laughs> fucking good it's 11 out of 10 the second season is out right now and if you enjoy that sort of thing please watch it (laughs) but there's so much hypocrisy and like controversy within religion because because you literally because human beings are human beings yeah right and like they make mistakes and they you know to use their language they sin they be sinning they be sinning so it's just interesting to see how a man of such faith like brings that sort of like into the role it was just it was very fun to watch yeah and very very it like made me think about how people who have religion question their faith so much because it's like it's a constant struggle and a constant battle i mean it's like an identity crisis in a way yeah because you are told to believe this thing and you you believe this thing but it's something that you can't see or feel or touch Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot at stake there for yourself because it's your entire life and your afterlife that you have to worry about constantly you have to constantly remind yourself that, yes, I do believe in this thing. And here's why. Yeah. So it's very interesting to see an actor bring that because you don't hear a lot about actors and their and their religion or yeah. actors and their faith. Like you, you just don't. So it's just interesting to see him. I don't know. Like it was just so nice to watch him on screen and like figure that out for himself. And mm-hmm. you can only think that he brought his own faith into it all. Well, especially, especially because like, Malcolm X's link between politics and social justice mm-hmm. and religion were all, I mean, they Interconnected, were like, they were basically. intertwined yeah. and not a lot of people think about those issues that way. So that was really fascinating. And because there's such a big similarity and parallel between like evangelism and activism. activism. Yeah. So seeing him like straddle that was really, really, really interesting because totally. that's not something I think about a lot when I think about, religion etc as how it is almost like a form of activism for in a certain way yeah and in a lot of ways yeah i I have to stop myself right because i you know full disclosure i i am an atheist i don't believe in any and and i'm also just not an i'm not a member of any religion girl same and so (laughs) i think a lot about how religions exhibit the same traits as cults yeah and so from from my own head and it's very it's very fascinating to think about it in that regard and like it's very fascinating to think about like the language that religions use to like you know to create a sense of community Mm -hmm. so that you're all using the same language yeah and it's it it is just so freaking fascinating to me that like groups of people get together to form a community that all believe the same thing. Yeah. Not to say, okay, then not to say that like every religion is cult because they're not, there yeah. are, there are very distinct differences, Yes, but it's just, it's, it's interesting that you brought up that evangelism is like uh, activism because I think about that all the time. Yeah. Like I think about, you know, even in the United States now, like all the movements that have been going on since the summer mm-hmm. um, for black lives matter. And also like anti-vax and vaccine protesting, like all of these different things that people are believing in that they're asking people to also believe in and to like fight with them. So the lines all get kind of blurred. I mean, there are very clear distinctions and like we should be very aware of them. Yes. (laughs) But that's really, really interesting. 
grad school has changed you. I know. I'm just such an intellectual. You're now. just such a philosopher now. Bringing up like <laughs> the most interesting questions, Jessica. <laughs> Denzel would be proud. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, okay. Well, we could talk about that forever, but shall we move to the next film? We should. So that was Malcolm X. There's a lot there, y'all. I'm not going to lie to you, um, but I would suggest watching it. If you feel like it's too long, there is no shame in di- dividing yeah. it up into chunks. That's totally fine. Yeah, it's also on HBO. So, it is. It's yeah. on HBO. Please go watch it. Uh, it's some of Denzel's best work. Genuinely, it's so early in his career. Oh, God uh, bless him. Okay, now I move to probably the most iconic role. The role, yeah. I would say. The role. Definitely. Well, I, I can't know. I don't know if it was my favorite of the three. See, it wasn't my favorite. I of think the it's three. my favorite performance of the three, but my favorite film was the third one. I agree. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> This movie is Training Day. Came out in 2001, written by David Ayer, directed by Antoine Fuqua. A rookie cop played by Ethan Hawke spends his first day as a Los Angeles narcotics officer with a rogue detective played by Denzel Washington, who isn't what he appears to be. Bam, bam, bam. That's a very loose, um, you know, summary of what happens in this yeah. film. Yeah, my boy Alonzo. Alonzo. Alonzo, the baddest bitch in town. <laughs> Uh, There's a lot going on in this movie. Uh, Denzel, my boy, plays Alonzo, yes. a bad bitch, here to like fuck up your life, mm-hmm. here to bring down the law. Kind of. Slash uphold the law. Kind of. It's all very gray. It's very gray. As is the law. As is the law, Aye. Jessica. As is the law. Yeah, but essentially, so he's this, he's a narcotics officer, um, or he's a detective, I guess. And so he get, he's training Ethan Hawke. Um, who's becoming a narcotics officer. And you think that it's just like that Denzel Washington is just like a rogue cop who like does crazy shit. Yeah. And then you start realizing that he has debts to pay off with the Russians. Yes. The <laughs> Russians. He's taking Ethan Hawk along on this journey throughout the day doing very shady, nefarious, illegal shit to like cover up to obtain money in order to pay off the debts and then covering up the crimes that he's committed in order to obtain the money. He has created his own Ponzi scheme, like his own, or what is like triangle scheme where he's like, he's like robbing Peter to pay Paul, but it's himself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's him. He's He's like, no, I'm just being a cop. But it's like, no, these crimes literally didn't happen. They, they, you made them happen. Yes, literally. <laughs> so it's like accountability. Where? Who is she? <laughs> Don't know her. She doesn't exist in this movie, uh, which is like so abundantly clear yep. uh, that this cop detective Alonzo, yes, he just doesn't understand mm-hmm. that he is not the only person holding people accountable. That there that there are people that are holding him accountable. Yes. And that is like a personal struggle that Denzel's character has throughout the film. Yeah. And is ultimately what I think makes the film really high stakes. Yes. Yes. And because there's also, there's so much going on with him internally that you can't figure out because he doesn't let you because like Alonzo literally will never let you into his mind for a moment. Because he's a bad bitch. Because he's a bad bitch. So yeah, there are a lot of internal struggles about accountability, about the law. Like the law is is a character in this film. 
I mean, it really is. And this movie talks a lot about like race relations. This movie talks a lot about authority and like Uh, like, police brutality, police brutality, hypocrisy, um, classism, et cetera. Because ultimately at the end, it turns into Denzel Washington is using his own community as like the pawn and he expects them to like back him up all the time. Right. And they're like, no, we're fucking done being used by cops to forward your own agenda. And then we get pinned with shit. It sucks. (laughs) It's just, it's a fascinating, fascinating movie that is just disguised as like, a like a thrilling buddy cop movie <laughs> it's a, it's very schemy movie yeah. like at the i will say that at the end you do not know for certain if this was his agenda kind of all along mm-hmm. or to die you mean no 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 to like cause all the problems that he caused oh sure like you have no idea because he never lets you in <laughs> Yeah, things just like keep spiraling, essentially. It and keeps, keeps getting having worse. to do worse shit to cover up the shit he just did that didn't go quite right. But also Ethan Hawke is too smart and he's figuring it out, which I don't think Alonzo like counted on. I think no. he counted on someone just to like sit down and shut up and follow along. Yes. Yeah. So I think the plan might have been slightly shorter. <laughs> yes. What happened. But what I love about Denzel in this role, I mean, as we said before, the man is fucking magnetic and this is no exception. Like truly in this character, he could fucking take you down with a look. Like it's crazy. When you first meet his character, they're just in a diner and he has two guns under each armpit and you're just like, okay. All right, Alonzo. Okay, Alonzo. <laughs> we feel you, we get you. Like he truly gets off on the power play and I love seeing Denzel having the most fucking fun just living in this role living scaring this white man (laughs) with his like aggression with his aggression and his just he has no fear he's he's a fearless man he's very stoic yeah he's very stoic he's very like he could he could be our modern philosopher alonzo Could he? I think he laughs too much. He does laugh too much. He laughs a lot. He does. (laughs) And it makes you think like, are you a sociopath? Are you just chilling? Like what's going on? I think he just gets off on his ego and his power and it like genuinely delights him. And those people are kind of the people I find the scariest, which is why the character of Alonzo is kind of chilling in a way. But you, but you also are like, he's the authority. So it's, Kind of scary. I mean, it's a similar way you feel about cops, period. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Where you're like, well, they're supposed to be safe. Well, here's the but thing. But I'm also afraid. This movie gives me the same feeling, but to a much better, like to a, a much more exciting and fun extent, because uh-huh. it's Denzel fucking Washington, uh, is it gives me the feeling, the feeling of whenever I'm going to Starbucks and I see the cops parking in the red zone <laughs> uh-huh. and they like saunter in <laughs> with their like noses hanging out <laughs> of their masks. And I'm like, Aren't you supposed to be the lore? (laughs) 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 So it's a lot like that. This whole movie is you as an audience member grappling with the fact that Denzel Washington is the law and you kind of just have to like roll with it. Breaking the law the whole time. Yeah. You just have to roll with it. Yeah. I mean, well, it just, he, he is the vehicle through which we get the message of there is very little difference between like cops and quote unquote criminals. It's true. Because so much crime is influenced directly by the police dude whatever power 
whatever power you are given, people will find a way to abuse it. Which yeah. is why, like, in this movie, law enforcement, as we know it, does not work. Yeah, and what's particularly scary is that Denzel's character is aware of that, which is why he doesn't, like, he has opportunities for big power plays, like arresting people when, you know, but he doesn't do it. He fucks things up and scares people intentionally, but he doesn't actually arrest anybody and enforce the law, which you're like, this happens all the fucking time. It's true. And I'm so terrified of how people can just like pick and choose where they, where they want to be. On the side of the law. On the side of the law. Yeah. yeah. And that freaks me out. But he's doing it because he knows that he's also a participant in it. So I think part of that behavior is out of, I don't know if it's shame, but it's out of knowing that he is is part of the problem, I think. And I think that's what separates him from being a sociopath mm-hmm. is that he realizes that he what he, what he is doing. He's like, okay, I am using my power to manipulate mm-hmm. people and also the law. And so I will not use the law in specifically this way. Yeah. I will be good in, in this. I'm going to, in all these lanes, right? In all these lanes where I have all these cars that are all breaking the law, <laughs> I am going to choose this lane to give people a break and or enforce the law. Yeah. Like it's very, it is such a gray area. It's almost pink. Yeah. He's it's hypocrisy everywhere, except not some places that just, it doesn't make sense for it not it's to be very there. arbitrary. Yeah. It's very arbitrary and all completely subjective based on his own personal agenda, which is why it's so exciting and so scary because yes. at least if you could like predict it and logically see why he chose what, it would make sense, but you can't. And so you're like, okay, this man is kind of unhinged. Like he could do anything, which is why he's so fucking scary as a character because you're just like literally anything could happen. Yeah. And it's funny because this movie gave me seven vibes. (laughs) Yeah. It gave me really, really strong seven vibes, um, but in a different flavor. Mm -hmm. And I love both movies, Training Day and Seven or Seven Seven. (laughs) So Seven. Seven N. N. (laughs) Seven and yeah oh god <laughs> the marketing team oh god but yeah i mean denzel just like really all the way up until the very end where he takes his last breath his last dying breath you just see like how he's still almost like proud of himself for what he's done but he also is so affected by the fact that he can't like be a real person like he can't no show his real self and what's what's even more interesting is you wonder like does he insist on separating the personal like his his internal feelings and everything from his job yeah because he's protective of it or is it because he doesn't actually care about it and i have no idea well and that's what i was trying to say earlier is like you leave the movie not really knowing what that agenda truly was yeah and like, like you don't know who he is you have no idea Unless he really is just kind of like this monstrous person you've been shown. And you don't want to believe that yeah. because you've also seen like the charismatic side of him mm-hmm. and you've laughed with him with him and you've all and it, again it's it's a buddy cop comedy. Yeah, like kind of. You would have to think he became a cop for a reason. Yes. You know? Because he had a personal feeling or or something happened like it makes me wonder like did he just get like too in deep too fast and got like caught up in the lifestyle and that's why he you know starts cheating on his wife with Eva Mendez and has another child and starts fucking I don't know how he got the money that he (laughs) 
owes, but you Bro, know, I don't even know, but still, yeah, it's, there's so many questions. And I, I mean, above all, I just love a movie that makes you think. And I love a character that when you leave them, you're like, oh, there was so much more I could have learned about you. Um, it's a really rewarding feeling, even though you're not really being rewarded with anything. Yeah, <laughs> It's just knowing you watched something good. I think the last thing that I'll say about Denzel in this movie is I have seen this movie a million times. Mm-hmm. I grew up with brothers. My brothers all love this fucking movie. This is like one of the movies that you just play all the time. Yeah. Um, and I, every time I watch this movie, I get something else from Denzel mm-hmm. and I love that. And I think that is a testament to his abilities as an actor Yeah, and how he can be multifaceted in one scene and then multifaceted in the next. Like it's not all very, it's not all one note at all. Right. Um, and that is only because of his talent mm-hmm. and his technique and his ability to draw you in, keep you there for a while, and let you sit in some stomach acid <laughs> until you're like, I'm blessed. So yeah, every time you watch this movie, you get something new from Denzel Washington. Yeah, totally. And I just, it blows me away. It blows I lo- me away. I love it. <sighs> Love you, Denzel. <laughs> Monica, bring us home with our third film. I chow, I chow. Okay. Chow. So the third movie is a very recent hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called, it's a little old movie. <laughs> called The Tragedy of Macbeth. It came out in 2021, written and directed by Joel Cohen, mm-hmm. based on the play by Billy Shakes. Billy Shakes. Billy Shakespeare. Uh, William Shakespeare. <laughs> you know, that guy. We know. You know. Yeah. yeah. A Scottish lord, played by Denzel Washington, becomes convinced by a trio of witches that he will become the next king of Scotland and his ambitious wife played by the one and only Frances McDormand. If you have not listened to our Frances McDormand episode, stop this episode immediately. Go listen listen to that first. Uh, Supports him in his plans of seizing power. (sighs) This bitch. Dude. Oh my I got five minutes into this movie and I had to pause it and text Monica and be like, I think this is one of the I think this is the the best Shakespeare adaptation I've ever seen. It's definitely the best Shakespeare adaptation I've ever seen. It's it's pretty fucking incredible. And the fact that Joel Cohen like didn't really care whether he did it or not is very funny to me. I know. (laughs) Francis McDormand is the one who told him to do it because they're married if y'all don't know. It's true. Um, But yeah, she was like, do it. And he was like, okay, fine. But I guess there was like a a point in time where they were like, maybe we won't do it. And he's like, I mean, I don't really care. And then he made this fucking movie and it is unbelievable. Like Denzel is amazing, but in a way the movie is so good. It almost overshadows (sighs) Denzel being so good. Yeah, well, I texted, okay. I texted (laughs) Jessica saying like something to the effect of like, Oh man, <laughs> I know that we're doing this movie for Denzel, but like everyone else is so good in it. Yeah. And this movie itself is so good. It's so good. That I almost feel like bad mm-hmm. that we're only singling out Denzel in this movie, which that's not to say that we shouldn't. He gives a stellar performance yeah. and he trained so hard for uh-huh. this film. And it's so different from every film he's done. Yes, it's so different. And and his his take on Macbeth is also very different from a lot of other Macbeths that I've seen. Mm -hmm. And he's a lot stronger in will, or Mm -hmm. he comes off a lot stronger in will than a lot of other Macbeths that I've seen. Yeah. And that's because of the, the magnitude and the presence of Denzel Washington. Yes. 
Like a thousand percent. Joel must have known what he does. And the man has extensive Shakespeare training. Oh, like massive. While we are familiar with the Denzel Washington that's, you know, in training day, in fucking Philadelphia. In flight. It's, it's <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Like the man has done so much stage. He's won a Tony. He's done so much Shakespeare. And like, it was such a joy to finally get to see him do that on screen, which is like the medium he's become more well-known for. Yes. I really liked seeing those two things married together, but like you just fucking know that these people, I mean, it helps that there are a lot of Shakespearean actors in this movie. A lot of people are British in this movie, which a lot of people are British. It's helpful. It's so <laughs> helpful because it's so easy to see the Brits from the non-Brits in this yeah. movie. It's really easy. Also that one kid from Harry Potter oh, who is plays in this Dudley? Movie. Yes. There's a couple Harry Potter alums in this movie. The That's woman who true. plays the witches oh. is from Harry Potter as oh, well. Oh, can we stop and give a moment to the woman who plays the witches? I believe her name is Catherine Hunter. She is oh. fucking unbelievable. I really, really want her to get a Best Supporting she, Actor nomination. She better get a... <laughs> she better. Because That's all I have to say. She's so chilling. She is the moment in this movie. Yeah, like... She, Watch the movie. Denzel's amazing. Watch the movie for her. <laughs> watch, watch this movie. Just, just watch it. Period. First Period. of all, it's a tight ninety. It is a tight ninety. It's a tight ninety. It's a tight I, ninety. Shakespeare. It's a tight ninety. Shakespeare. Yes, there's a fuck ton taken out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're watching and you're like, whoa. Okay, now we're here. Like, yeah, things yeah. happen really quickly and it feels fast, mm -hmm. but. That's why it's so fun to see really, really talented seasoned actors yes. doing it with a filmmaker who also understands the material and the theatricality of it yes. because you don't lose any of the beats of the story. You lose nothing. Or none of like the emotional highs and lows. It's like an abridged version that's, it's so good and it's so it's moving. Like, it's like if Spark Notes came out with a movie of, <laughs> I mean, kind of, yeah. Without offering you like the translation, because I know some of, you know, Spark Notes yeah. like, offers like, <laughs> this, th this dude mm -hmm. did this. No, it's definitely all an iambic pentameter. <laughs> we still have to suffer through this. We do, we, we do. do. <laughs> but like you, it's one of those times where like, even if you aren't someone who's familiar with Shakespeare, you will know what's going on. You might not know every single detail. Yeah. Because you'll get the main beats, which it, are what's important. Yeah, it's still pretty much the original text. Yeah. Y you will miss shit. And like even people who have studied Shakespeare for a while or who have taken multiple mm -hmm. classes or who like love theater, you'll still miss shit. Shakespeare is hard. I want people to understand this. Yeah. I don't want people watching this movie and feeling like, maybe I don't understand Shakespeare. Yeah, maybe I'm dumb. Because no. you're not dumb. It's so fucking hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah. And you're talking to people who have read a lot of Shakespeare and we're not even close to understanding yeah. it fully. Yeah, no. It's so hard. There's details I miss every single People time. People have PhDs in this shit and still miss it. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't know what kind of crack-ass crack <laughs> Billiam was on, but it's hard as fuck. It's fucking hard. Uh, and the fact that a person can still understand beat for beat what the fuck is going on in this goddamn movie mm -hmm. is truly just a testament to how much nuance the actors can give on yes. screen. Yeah. Denzel, Francis, the guy from Harry Potter. Yeah. All these bitches be rolling up and going, we're seasoned as fuck, bitch. Yeah. McCormick sponsor us. They're here. I mean, Denzel's, his age and his wisdom Oh. really really lend itself and his to the voice role. Yeah. 
his voice. That was the thing that I was saving for specifically this movie because Denzel Washington has a very specific voice. Oh, yeah. It's very deep and rich mm-hmm. and very like, it's it's so clear. There's not a lot behind it. It's very like lovely to listen to, mm-hmm. but it has that like bassy power. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult to describe. And his cadence is so interesting. Mm-hmm. He just has such a specific tonality to his voice that is so suited for this kind of material yeah i could literally fall asleep watching him it's or like incredible. listening to him <laughs> not watching him i don't think i could do that but like just listening to his voice i want him to like do one of the calm team up with things. calm yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> step aside michael jordan or whoever it was michael jordan i don't know who it was matthew mcconaughey did one and he i did? think yeah he did i think it was like a, a basketball player did oh, it well, i don't know i don't remember who it was it was definitely not swaggy p swaggy. <laughs> oh <laughs> do we all remember swaggy p me too of the los angeles lakers oh god uh, well anyway <laughs> anyway i saved i saved my note about his voice for this specific movie because it's so beautifully suited for this role it is for this material and i i could not get enough i really couldn't uh, yeah i mean And while he was like so seasoned and perfectly suited for the role, what I loved even more is that like he was not pressed into like a Shakespearean mold of an actor of like a Shakespearean actor that you would be used to seeing. Like he really brought his own identity to it and he has such incredible theatrical chops, but he also has like a very distinct style of acting and just a style of being and speaking and it's really unique. And he just like, puts that into the role, which is why his portrayal of Macbeth is so fascinating because like, it's very contemplative. It's very, uh, you, you see a lot of his fear and a lot of his uh, like desire, his desire, his, he's, I mean, he's confused about like, he's very apprehensive. He's very apprehensive about like his status and his fate and like, you see like he is being manipulated by his wife, but he also wants these things to an extent, but also like when it actually happens and it's actually real. It's too real. It's too real. But the only thing you can do is roll with it. And that's when the spiral happens. And like we said earlier, there is so much of the text cut out, but you don't lose any of- You lose nothing, You don't lose any of these like really, really important beats of the plot where like he goes from all of these different emotions into spiraling and you get the whole spiral right down to the end. It's so good. It's so good. He also has, he brings so much swagger. Mm Mm-hmm to the role of Macbeth that you don't really see very often. Yeah. Like this goes, this goes to show you what Jessica was saying earlier about like how he plays this role so effortlessly as opposed to like what a typical Shakespeare actor would bring to the table, Mm -hmm. which is like drama technique. Like, of course he's bringing in these things, but they're in the back seat. What's in the front seat is Denzel fucking Washington Uh coming in with a swagger, coming in with, with that like machismo energy that only, only Denzel Washington can give the, the little beats, the little pauses, like the nuances, the little, like the little grunts that he gives, the little huzz that he gives, like it's all very Denzel and it's very, it's very rooted in like who he is and his extent, like his decades of acting experience in the past. Yeah. And that's who they wanted for this movie. Yeah. That's why no one else was cast as the role of Macbeth. Yeah. Because only Denzel Washington can bring that little, that little bit of like 
the je ne sais quoi. He brings like a little bit of sensitivity to the role yes. that I don't think you see a lot. No. Like I think a lot of people view Macbeth as like a, we want power, we will murder, blah, 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 blah. Like, but it's like, he he was like kind of convinced to do this. And he's like, I kind of don't know if this is a thing I should do. And then when he does it, he's like, I'm kind of sickened with myself for doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And I do feel a level of sadness. And there is like, there's a vulnerability in his acting that I don't think you see in a lot of Denzel roles, period, that you get because of how seasoned he is, because of how he's aged. Yes. And like, it's just, it's really, really beautiful because- He's like, he's like an oxymoron. Like he is a really precise actor. He's very exact, but, but like- He's also so fluid. But he's and also so fluid he, and authentic. He's very improvisational <laughs> and he like, he dances a little bit with it. It's so hard to explain. It, it, it's really, really hard to explain. Like it's authentic, but planned. Yes. You know? It's so hard. It's really, it's astounding. And like him next to fucking Francis yeah. McDormand. Like who, who thought of that? Yeah, well, Ooh. especially because Frances is, she has a very like maternal energy. But, in but a lot she's of also roles. very strong. Yeah. And very, I mean, and her face is obviously very angular. Mm-hmm. And like the thing about this movie that we're not talking about that actually plays a lot into what we are talking about. Is the visuals. Is the visuals. Yeah. Like the visual style of this movie. She's very, she has very harsh features. Yeah. And she herself is an oxymoron, right? She has all these harsh and like dark features and she like her eyes are kind of sunken in and she has like really deep set wrinkles and a very angular face but she's somehow very soft yeah and maternal and also conniving and cunning <laughs> like, yeah yeah she she is scheming but seems like she, you could like she could be your mom it's weird <laughs> it's so weird and the thing is like and we're kind of sitting here a little bit speechless because it's kind of a mind fuck of a movie and a mind fuck of a cast yeah like they truly they truly set out to make an actual masterpiece. Yes, it is so incredibly theatrical. I Brilliant because it was shot in black and white. Like, oh, which is so hard to do. Yeah, it's yeah. so hard. And they shot it exclusively on sound stages. And the Ugh. benefit of that though was like, I, I think what a lot of theatrical or a lot of film adaptations of Shakespeare miss is like there is value in like the literal visual of someone entering and exiting a scene yes because it really it very distinctly like marks beats it very distinctly marks like shifts in emotion or shifts in plot etc and in a lot of movies you know that doesn't happen that doesn't happen you cut to next scene exactly in this though you see the entrances and exits yes it's brilliant it's so brilliant (laughs) and also like when you think of a shakespeare adaptation you think of like some kenneth Branagh shit Right, you think yeah. of like some sweeping, like uh-huh. dramatic, enormous. There's a lot of lush vegetation. Yeah, <laughs> like there are a lot of like long-haired blondes, like men, and I guess also women. Yeah, it's just you think of this like sweeping thing, and then you watch a movie like this, and you remember why people mostly do Shakespeare on like an empty stage, yeah, and kind of just like give it to the audience mm-hmm. because that's really all you need. It really is just the text. It's really just the fucking text. Ugh. I mean, there are a lot of like, I'm, I'm an architecture not. So like there are a lot of specifically like architecture things that happened in this movie that I fucking love and mm-hmm. all the hallways and all of the fucking columns and like their symbolism and their meaning and like everything about the way that they set up the sound stages to like create this like either vastness 
or this like it's all closing in Mm -hmm. it's just so beautiful and so right and that's all they needed they didn't need anything else it's also a film adaptation that really appeals to film people yes because it has a lot of visual references to past like films like it has a very distinct reference to that movie the seventh seal where it has yes. the 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 character of death yes. just like shrouded <laughs> in black and it's it's a dead ringer for or this is a dead ringer for that like when the witch is just standing there in her shroud yes and then she becomes three in the water she becomes three. Oh, it's so scary <laughs> I cannot wait for this year's Halloween's when people come dressed as this witch and it's like the trio of witches. And they're oh, all contortionists. And they're all contortionists. <laughs> and they're all contorting in the sand and the sand sticks to the bottom of their feet and it's gross. It's so gross. It's so gross. But and it's you're so just good. sitting there like, oh, this is disgusting. I hate this, but I can't stop watching. <laughs> oh my God. This is probably one of the like and it's really it's hard one of the best movies of the year I it's think. crazy because like if you asked me if you put a gun in my head and said give me your top three movies in 2021 i would literally say okay tragedy of macbeth come on come on which both black and white i don't know i don't know what it was with this year in black and, black white, and white there was a third like, black and white movie that came out this year that was really well reviewed oh the was it the mother's one it's the mother's one um the parallel mothers i forget what um, the actual- uh yes my, I was going to say my mother's keeper. Stop. Stop. Jodie Picoult. No. Uh, it's called like parallel mothers or something, something. It's like so, that. It's not Penelope that. Cruz is in it, but it's basically that. I'm going to find out right now while you keep talking. I love Penelope Cruz. Penelope um, Cruz. I don't know what the third movie would be, to be honest with you. I didn't really like Oh, I guess Licorice Pizza for sure. Oh, yeah, Licorice yeah, Pizza. I think those would be like- Top three. In that order. Like Tragedy of Macbeth, yeah. Come On, Come On, Licorice Pizza. It's called Parallel Mothers. Parallel. Why did I think it was called something else? I don't know. Whatever. But uh, it's I also think not it, in black and white like I thought it was, so no. don't listen to me. Okay, I'm not gonna listen to you. <laughs> I thought it was. Also probably because, I, I don't know. Were there any other movies that came out in black and white this year? There was, because I read an article, a Vanity Fair article about it. How mm-hmm. They were talking about how like- Oh, passing. Bro, I watched that movie. That movie was fire. I haven't seen it. I love Tessa Thompson. Okay, I do too. I just haven't seen it. Honestly, and I'll say this until the day I die. You can replace Tessa, like you can replace um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence with Tessa Thompson in any movie and it'll work. Let's do it. Like, and it'll be better. Remake. (laughs) It'll be better for Let's remake them all. Uh, Still learning playbook. If you put Tessa Thompson in the movie, it'll work better. I'd probably like that movie then. Uh, She could be the new Katniss Everdeen. If we just like super, is that what it's called? Like superimposing someone into a a movie? (laughs) Just superimpose her. Easy. Just do it. Let's do it. I swear. (laughs) 11 out of 10. Like I, 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 I'm a Tessa Thompson stan. She loves her. I just love her so much. I love her the way that people love Jennifer Lawrence and that's why I, I chose to replace her. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. It's fair. We also just don't like J Law. So, I don't you know. like Jennifer Lawrence, <laughs> which is crazy because I love the movie Silver Linings Playbook. Can't relate. I know you. I know you can't relate, but I love Bradley Cooper. I do too. She just ruins it for me. Uh, she does. But imagine Tessa Thompson in that role. Yeah, <laughs> and it would be better. You're right. It it would. <laughs> um, oh. But yeah, dude, Denzel. Denzel. Den. We've been talking about doing him for a while, so this was yeah. it was nice. To this was genuinely this. a treat. It's such a treat to do Denzel. It's like doing a Tom or a Meryl. A yeah. Denzel. And yeah. I mean, this really comes back to like the joy of doing this podcast, yes. which is like there are actors like Denzel Washington who like 
I love and respect, but then I look at his filmography and I'm like, I think I've seen two of your movies. Yes. And we, this is a really nice opportunity to to see the the good shit. To eat the little crumbs that they have to And offer. there's so much more good shit. Like it was hard. <sighs> picking, we'll have but. to do another episode on Denzel. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, 11 out of 10. This was, this was the best movie that we saw um, come from Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. But uh, the unfortunate thing is be- it's not, because of Denzel Washington, it's yeah. because it's truly an ensemble. He's not overshadowed. It's just, it's the no. movie as a package that is yeah. like perfect. You cannot single out kind of one thing from this movie. And yeah. that's the, unfor- it's unfortunate just for this podcast episode, but it's very fortunate for the movie for, itself. Yeah, Cause it will be, process. it will be mm-hmm. very successful. <laughs> this award Agreed. <laughs> um, but uh, what I will say to sort of like wrap up my thoughts is I love everything that Denzel Washington puts out. I yeah. think he's a, I think he is a lovely, lovely man. Mm-hmm. And I also think he's so fucking talented. I think he is, he, to me, he's really up there with Meryl Streep, Tom oh, Hanks, for sure. Daniel Day-Lewis, Denzel Washington. Like that's really, that's really that stratosphere that actors try and reach and like yeah. kind of just can't. It, but we've talked about this before. It is kind of a product of the industry now because it's just not built the same way it's not, that no. it was. Which is crazy because I wouldn't consider, and and fight me if I'm wrong, uh-huh. right? I, I wouldn't consider like Leonardo DiCaprio to be up there with those guys. I would say he's nearby. I would say he's like the second tier for yeah. me, right? Like he's in the Kate Winslet's, the Brad Pitt's, the yeah. George Clooney's. Absolutely. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But there is there there is like you know how the the Earth has like layers of atmosphere. Uh-huh. They're like in the in the space. Yeah. <laughs> and like Leonardo DiCaprio is like the last layer before you get to space. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, absolutely. I think I think you're totally right. I just don't think that like I don't think that the industry can get people to that status no, anymore. No, no, no. Because there's too much being made. Too much, too much. So you can't have that layer anymore. Much like how we are destroying the ozone layer. <laughs> we're uh, destroying the fame layer. We're destroying the superstar layer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now we only have stars. <laughs> so just saying. Now I just have T- Timothy Chalamet. And Florence Pugh. <laughs> <laughs> One of them is not like the other, guys. One of them is not like the other. Oh man. What if you had put Tessa Thompson in that movie that Timothy Chalamet was also in with Leonardo DiCaprio and Meryl Streep? I haven't seen that movie yet. What's Don't it look called? up. Don't look up. I haven't seen it yet. Tessa Thompson should have been in that I've movie. I've heard it's great. I just I wish. Seen it. I'm sorry. Uh, why is Jennifer Lawrence in everything? Yeah. Well, I wish her and her family great success. Yeah. You but go, I, girl. I don't want to see her in everything. I'm yeah, sorry. No, thank you. It's not, she's not my favorite. <laughs> I know. And I get hate for this all the time. People are like, why? Why do you hate J Law? It's something. It's, it's something, something about her. Yeah. Something better. Let me live. I have, I have, I wish, I wish her no ill will. Yeah. No, I don't want her to like die or anything. A million times richer than I will ever be. Exactly. So she can, I can go fuck the right off. Yeah. So (laughs) goodbye. (laughs) All right, Monica. Yes. What have you dabbled in? What haven't I dabbled in? (laughs) Ceramics. Two of your pottery classes. (laughs) Yes. Ceramics. Um, uh, labeling things. I recently got a label maker. Everything in my house is oh fucking my labeled now. <laughs> I'm shocked you didn't have one prior. Uh, it's because I refuse to spend that kind of money on a label maker. Oh, okay. I'm not the kind of person that like spends $5 on like a trinket. Mm. I'd like to invest. Yeah, I know you do. In my label maker. You're a bougie bitch. It's true. It's unfortunate and it's also true. <laughs> um, so like I'd rather wait to have what I want than right. like- I'm not an instant gratification person. I've realized. Oh, see, I am. Like as I ha- as I like navigate through my life, mm-hmm. which will meet its demise eventually. 
Tomorrow? Tomorrow, perhaps. <laughs> um, I realize more and more how much of a delayed gratification person I am. Yeah. Uh, and that's simply because like, I don't want something like half-assed or I mm-hmm. don't want something like as a little, you know, as a little like intermediate thing. Like I want what I want when I want it. Right. And if I have to wait for it, that's fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I get that. Um, totally fine with that. What about yeah. you though? I mean, everything I talked about <laughs> this fucking episode, that, that's been my entire life. I've had no time to do anything else no, that is fun. Um, but you know, it's fine. Yeah. We're fine. It's I got a fine. massage today. That oh. was nice. Oh my gosh. Yes. You told me this. Yes. Tell me how was the massage and where was it? It was at this massage place near my mom's house in Long Beach. Um, because I was down there already. Right. So my boyfriend, Sebastian, the crap. um, <laughs> he'll love that because <laughs> he's never heard it before. He has it? Not once in his life. No way. No, I'm lying. He oh. hears it all the fucking time. <laughs> I think when you finally meet him, he'll allow you to say crab like once and then afterwards he'll be like, okay. That's really funny because it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying You're just it. so kind. I, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, he knew how stressful things have been. So he surprise booked me a massage, which was very kind. Um, and yeah, so I went, it was great. I've never had my butt massage to that extent before. Oh, so it was a yeah. happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't a happy ending. She was just like really like getting into like the glutes, oh, the glutes. which is a very painful area for me because I spend so much time sitting. Oh, dude, same. And so it's really sensitive there, but like she did it and it feels a lot nicer now, but still. Ooh, you know what part of my body is like incredibly, like it hurts when people touch it? My Where? feet. Really? It hurts. Like I feel that way about hurts. like my hips, I like right it. above the butt. That it's, really hurts for me. It's because I have such flat feet. Oh yeah. I am essentially a duck. Quack, quack, bitch. Quack, quack. Affleck. 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 Oh my God. <sighs> and with that. And with that. Don't sue us, Daddy Favreau. You want to do it with me this time? I Monica? think I, I think I should. I'm okay. so sorry. I was busy. <laughs> I was busy uh, playing with my cord, my headphone cord. Ew. (laughs) You did not need to take it there, Jessica. (laughs) We have young listeners. You took it there. Oh my God. Okay, okay, okay. And with that, don't don't sue us, Daddy Favreau. Good night, Monica. Uh, It's the fucking afternoon. The sun is going down. Good evening. Good Good evening. evening. (laughs)